Well, we're in our 19th week over the book of Proverbs and just got a couple weeks here left. And as I've mentioned here the past uh, seven weeks, we have been kind of clustering. We, We were going verse by verse through this entire book. And now we are clustering these Proverbs into uh, topics uh, because there there are so many uh, common themes that just resurface over and over as you read along in the book of Proverbs. And as I mentioned in the prayer just a moment ago, today's topic is money. Now I want to read to you uh, a quote from a a group of wise men. And you see if you can uh, uh, figure out who they are. All for the love of money. Don't let, don't let, don't let money rule you. For the love of money, money can change people sometimes. Don't let, don't let, don't let money fool you. Money can fool people sometimes. People, don't let money, don't let money change you. It will keep, it will keep on changing, changing up your mind. Money, 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 money. Money. <laughs> That's the OJs. If you don't know who the OJs are, just have fun today searching YouTube and the OJs. <laughs> that's before my time, but I know good music, and that's it. But money does make us crazy, doesn't it? I mean, admittedly, even the, the concept of money, I typically avoid. I, I tend to not even mention a tithe and offering. Uh, and and that, that's a disservice to the church because the giving of our wealth is a form of worship, and it's what uh, God's people have done since uh, always. Every time God's people gather, we, we, we give. We, we have a culture of generosity within the people of God. But there has been so much abuse within that culture, especially in the American church, that I find myself avoiding the topic altogether. Anytime a verse about money comes up, I always find myself tensing up a little bit, thinking, oh no, I hope I don't offend somebody. I, I hope we're not perceived as one of these ministries that just wants to constantly shake you down and, and make you feel guilty about not giving enough. And oh no, I, I just I hope we don't uh, you know, come across in the wrong way. And, and so I, I just admit to you, first and foremost, I get uncomfortable talking about money for those reasons. Because I would much rather someone just keep their money and just listen to the gospel message. I don't want, uh, I don't want money to get in the way of you listening to truth. So I, I feel like I always got to preface any sermon over money to say, like, I'm not trying to guilt you out of giving more money today. Uh, how much you give is between you and God. Uh, God doesn't even need your money. He's the creator and sustainer of the universe, uh, right? So just by virtue of who he is, he doesn't need your money. Uh, and and I, if, if you feel yourself tensing up, oh, no, a passage about money today, then uh, maybe that reveals something in your heart. I want you to examine what that could possibly be. If you feel yourself like, you know, Gollum <laughs> holding on to his ring, you know, maybe, maybe it's worthwhile to just consider what Scripture has uh, with regard to wisdom. Because if you're white-knuckling your wealth to the point in which it's stressing you out, um, again, that, what's that saying? Maybe you've been fooled by money. Maybe you are trying to achieve something or, or, or get something from money that it's not capable of even giving you. If you've been fooled, it can cause a tremendous amount of stress and frustration in your life. And so whenever it comes to the book of Proverbs, remember, Proverbs sets out to ensure that you're not a fool. It sets out to, to give you wisdom to make sure that you're making wise decisions so you don't get duped 
by all of the things that can fool you in this world. And so it's no wonder that there's so many passages about money in the book of Proverbs because when it comes to making us crazy, money has a lot of power. It wields a lot of influence in our lives and it can just drive us nuts. But, you know, I, I think deep down, if you are white-knuckling your wealth, you're, you're living in fear. And it's not the fear of the Lord. If you are afraid when it comes to money, you are not living in the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord demands that you are generous. The fear of the Lord commands that you loosen your grip on possessions and wealth in this world. So believers should be the most generous, the most generous people on the planet Earth should be God's people, right? That's our, that's our mentality. Is that your mentality? I think there's, a, there's some questions I want you to be asking yourself as we go through these different Proverbs. What stops you from being generous? When you're thinking about being generous, what makes you nervous? You know, how, how does, how does your, your pursuit of wealth affect the people that live around you? And as a child of God, here's the ultimate question I want you to really think about today in the back of your minds. As a child of God, how are you, specifically you, leveraging your wealth to benefit his kingdom where you live? Those are questions that should be in the forefront of our minds. So I want to begin with a verse that's in Proverbs 10.22. And again, this is one of those sermons in which it's going to be like, hey, catch me if you can. I'm going to be all over the book of Proverbs. If you want to, if you want to be ready, towards the end of my sermon, I'm going to spend some time in Proverbs 30, uh, chapter 30. There's a, there's a prayer we're going to study there later. But up until that point, we're going to be jumping around a lot. But Proverbs 10.22 says this. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So when it comes to, to considering how we are blessed by God, that word blessed, man, I'm blessed. We, we have, we have uh, totally cheapened the, the concept of being blessed. We throw that word around a lot. And so we, we kind of, we throw it around so, so flippantly that I think we've, we've lost a grasp on, uh, of what it means biblically. So when we use it in our culture, in our day and age, we'll say like, hey, I got a new car this week, man, I'm blessed. Hey, I paid off my house, I'm blessed. Hey, I got an A on my test, I'm blessed. You know, we, we use that word like we would use good fortune. I have good fortune this week, therefore I am blessed. And so there's a sense, there's a sense in which that does fit but when you consider how this word is used in Scripture, oh man, much more robust meaning than just simply good fortune. To be blessed in Scripture means to, be, to, to live with an awareness of God's approval on your life. When we say we are blessed or we are blessed people, we are saying we have God's favor. That's a big statement. We're saying we, we have God's favor and love on our life. We are blessed. And so you can be blessed in any and all circumstances. That's how the word is used. And so, for instance, when Jesus would, would preach, you remember the, the portion in Matthew called the Beatitudes. That just means the, blessed, the blessings or blessedness. And he would talk about what it means to be blessed by God. And what are the things that he would say? And when, you, when you look at what he says, you, you, you see very quickly this does not just simply mean good fortune. Right? He says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are, those, bless, blessed are you when, when people revile you. 
And so when we consider what it is to be blessed, it's way, way more than good fortune. It means to have the favor of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich. That's what it means to be blessed. And so you can have all the money in the world, all the possessions in the world, and still be blessed. You, you can have no place to lay your head, as our, as our Messiah says. No, no place to lay your, your head and, and be abundantly rich, right? So you, you can have all the possessions and be poor or have nothing and be rich. That's, what, that's the concept of wealth when we look into Scripture. And so that kind of wealth, it gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's, it's a wealth that doesn't come with sorrow. Now, that's different than what we think of as wealth, right? Because a lot of times when we think of wealth and the things that come with wealth, we have a lot of trouble that come along with wealth. Or as the famous philosopher of the 90s said, more money, more problems, right? We've got to be careful. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 through 10 says, Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare and to many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So money in and of itself, it's not evil. It's not bad to be wealthy. It's not bad to pursue wealth, right? But it's the love of money. It's the obsession with money that can get us in all sorts of different, uh, all sorts of different complicated circumstances, all sorts of stressful circumstances. And so, so you might think, okay, well, like that—that's beautiful, Pastor. I love to think of myself as being blessed by God because we have salvation through Christ, and ultimately, there's nothing this world could offer me that I don't already have, uh, just by being a child of God. But at the end of the day, Pastor, I got to pay my bills. I got to work. I got to make money, I got to pay my bills, I got to take care of my family, and while I'm doing that, I feel like I'm being pierced by many pangs. I'm not going to lie, it feels like a lot of stress, and it's very complicated. And when I have fights with my spouse, nine times out of ten, it's about money. When I get stressed out in life and working, a lot of times it comes back to the pursuit of, of money, because you have to have money to pay the bills, right? So I want to... I I want to think about these things as we're going through these Proverbs today. Uh, but, and what I think these Proverbs offer us is this. Yeah, you're going to feel like you're being pierced with many pangs as you deal with wealth in the world. But just make sure you're not piercing yourself, right? Don't pierce yourself. Don't think about wealth in such a way that you would inflict pain on yourself when it comes to money. This is how the, the Bible trains us to think so that we can have some truly have some financial peace and what that really means. I think that a lot of times the reason we don't have financial peace is because we're, we're so prone to living with a poverty mentality. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard, of, heard of it discussed this way. A poverty mindset manifests in a couple different ways. Uh, well, first of all, a, a poverty mindset is just living with this fear that you're never going to have enough money. And, and that thought creeps in our minds a lot, right? So, so how this manifests in our lives is it happens in this way. You have this fear of not having enough. So some people deal with that fear by spending every dime that they have. 
They just can't stand to have a dollar. As soon as they have one, they got to spend it on something because they got to get everything while they can. Get while the getting's good. That's how a lot of people deal with the fear of not having enough money is that when they get it, man, they spend it because they may not have it later. The other way that people deal with a poverty mentality is that they save all of their money to the point in which they don't spend a dime. Right? They're so overly frugal that it stresses them out. They save and save and save, and they defeat the purpose of earning any money at all because they don't spend any of their money to create any peace or enjoyment from all of their toil. And so both, both ways can make you miserable. One is just recklessly irresponsible, and again, the other just defeats the purpose of work altogether. So as, as I was... Looking through a list of these Proverbs that have to deal with money, there was kind of four areas that uh, I I felt were worth mentioning today and four areas that I I want you to consider as we look through these. A lot of these Proverbs that have to do with money encourage you to focus on working hard. Don't be lazy. The second grouping I have is stop looking for the easy way to make money. Working takes effort and it's hard and you want to earn wealth, you need to work hard. So work hard, stop looking for the easy way, earn that money honestly is the third thing we'll, talk, we'll, we'll look at. And then the fourth thing is that God's going to take care of us regardless. He's going to take care of us in our pursuit of wealth no matter what. So let's talk about that first one. We need to work hard. Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. There can be a lot of different causes for poverty, Right? When you look around the world, you look at all the different, uh, you know, economic groups of people throughout the world. There's lots of different reasons for for, for poverty, and, and and so when so, you know when when people when, when some people are living in poverty due to an injustice, that's a disgrace, right? That that's a, or I'm sorry, that's not a disgrace to those people because they can't help the injustice that's being inflicted upon them. But when you are living in poverty because of laziness, that is a disgrace. Right? You don't want to be lazy. You want to work for what you have. Working is a good thing. When you look in Scripture, people work. God's people work, and they work hard and consistently. All the way back to Adam before sin even entered the world. He's in the garden working. We were created to work. There's a sense of fulfillment that we have there because we were designed to work. It's good. It's a, it's a positive desire. And so work ethic, I can't, I'm fumbling all over my words today. Work ethic, that is our biggest tool when it comes to gaining wealth. Our, our best resource is a strong work ethic. So that's something I want to instill into my boys. I know we we really make a conscious effort in my household to make sure that my kids earn things. I want to teach them how to work and how to earn. And so almost every privilege that we have in our home is something that they earn in order to do. It may, it, this may even sound extreme, like my boys don't even turn on the TV a lot of times without, without asking. Hey, can I watch a show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just need you to fold all those towels and put them up in, in the bathroom before you do that. Hey, can I have uh, friends over tomorrow to, to hang out? Man, that'd be a great idea. Here's the weed eater. You need to go out until that's not working anymore. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, I want to play a video game with, with a friend. Awesome. I want clean toilets in the house. Let's make a trade. You know, we, we do this sort of thing in my house. 
over and over and over. You know, hey, Dad, can I have some money? Yep, the push mower's in the garage. You just need to make sure that it's clean and ready to go, and you're welcome to get all the money you want. Here's some contacts of people that don't like to mow their yard. Get all the money you need, buddy. Enjoy. Work ethic is that, you know, some parents may hear that and think, man, it's tyrannical in the Parman household. But, you know, I, I don't believe that's cruel. I think what's cruel is raising lazy children who don't know how to, to fend for themselves in this world. And then they get out into the real world and they don't, know, they don't have any work ethic. They don't know how to earn their own money. And they're looking around, who's going to take care of me? Oh, it's you. You're the one that takes care of you. Work. Don't send your kids out there not knowing how to work. Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. I don't want my kids to grow up and bring shame to the Parman name. I think it's also worth mentioning that there's just a sense of fulfillment that you can't describe whenever you work and earn something. Right? There's a sense of fulfillment there. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. You know, so, so I'm not saying we make our kids earn every last little thing that they have, you know. My, my son finally gets old enough for a phone, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. You need a phone. I've got to be able to track you and call you. And so here's, here's a phone that works. It's the free phone that Kelly was going to throw in the trash, and so I just grabbed it and gave it to my son, right? He's like, well, I, I want the nice phone. I was like, cool, go get that, however you want to. <laughs> and he did. You know, he, er- he, he earned the money to get the new iPhone. And, and I'm like, you know what? He's, he's real proud of that thing, and he takes care of that thing, and, and he makes sure that it doesn't break. And, and there's, there's a sense of fulfillment. So getting to see my boys, like, desire something and work for it and then see them kind of bask in that sense of fulfillment there when they've earned what they have, That is such a delight to see as a parent. We want that for our kids. But I want them to have that sense of feeling then because I know if they build a work uh, work ethic in their life, they're going to achieve even a greater sense of fulfillment. The greater sense of fulfillment uh, than just providing for yourself is when you can provide for yourself and others. That, that, my friends, is a true sense of fulfillment. When you have enough to take care of yourself and someone else and your family and other families and you can be generous with your, with your wealth, there is nothing more fulfilling, I think, in the realm of wealth than when you can take care of other people along with yourself. I want my kids to have that sense of fulfillment when they get older. And if they're going to have that sense of fulfillment, they got to understand this second truth. There is no easy way. Stop looking for the get-rich-quick scheme right now. The quicker you can stop looking for that, the better. Work for what you have. There is no easy path to obtaining wealth. you got to work for it, right? There's, the, there's no Nigerian prince that needs your bank account number, right? There's, there's not, you're not going to win the lottery. You're just not. You're not going to win that lottery. Nobody wants your Melaleuca. We just don't like Melaleuca. I'm sorry. There's no get-rich-quick scheme. Proverbs 28, 19 says it like this. <laughs> I love this proverb. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. 
There's just, there's just not an easy way to it. You got to work. And you get up the next day and you work again. You mix in rest with that. That's how God designed it. But we, we work hard and we earn what we have. I remember on my 18th birthday, my mom, as a joke, got me a scratch-off lottery ticket. It was the bingo scratch-off lottery ticket. I, I wake up and she, she hands me this, hey, happy birthday, you're 18. And so I, scr- I scratch it off. Sure enough, I won 20 bucks. I'm like, I'm the richest 18-year-old alive. Oh, this is great. And so I go with my friend to the gas station, and I cash in. I get my 20 bucks. And he's like, well, I want to buy a lottery ticket. And he pays for a $10 scratch-off lottery ticket. I'm like, oh, man, you went for the big one. He's like, well, the odds are better. I'm going to win. He scratches it off. He wins $100 right there on the spot. I'm like, dude, we're, we're the luckiest guys in the world today. Let's, let's go enjoy. He's like, wait a second. I want to do that again. I, I got, I, I'm up 90 bucks here. And so he, he throws down another 10 bucks and he grabs another scratch-off lottery ticket, scraps it, scratches it off and loses. He said, well, I'm still up. I'll put 10 more bucks in there. To make a long story short, he went from $100 up to $160 in the hole. And we're standing there. I'm like, well, that was dumb. <laughs> I got 20 bucks. You want to go to the McDonald's? <laughs> There's just not an easy, easy path. And we can be so foolish Uh, in our pursuit of wealth if we think that there is. I mean, very few of us will inherit wealth uh, in a significant way, and that's just just true. Uh, uh, Okay, as the the lottery sells themselves, they'll say, someone has to win. Yeah, you're right, someone has to, uh, but it's not going to be you. I'm just going to tell you, it's ridiculously rare for the, for the rest of us, other than the, the fraction of, of a percent of people that inherit wealth or win the lottery, for the rest of us, we need to work and earn. We need to balance our spending and our saving. We need to budget responsibly. Here, here's my, one of my favorite proverbs when it comes to, to building wealth. It says it so, just, just so simply. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I, 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 love, that. I love that part of the proverb, little by little. That's how we are to pursue wealth, just little by little, just gradual, consistent earning and saving and spending and investing, just little and little, little by little. I think it's, it's, it's again, when we get in a rush, it's when we get in a rush to pursue wealth that this frantic pursuit just makes us, it makes us nuts. It makes us crazy inside. It's just this pursuit of wealth should be slow and steady and consistent and, and calculated and reasonable. I think one of the reasons that wealth gained hastily dwindles, right, is because enough is just never enough, is it? How much is enough? How much could you possibly have in your bank account uh, to, to where you would not pursue more? You're always just going to be after just a, a little bit more. Because when you, you know, when we live in our culture, there's always someone that's the, the next rung up on the ladder. No matter where you're at. There's always somebody that has a little bit more than you. There's always somebody that has a little bit less than you. And so we're all, you know, living in, in this reality in which we, we just get frantic. One person gets frantic and they make the next person frantic. And, oh, man, well, it worked out for them, so i got, I got to rush and hurry and i got to get more wealth. And I, we feel so insecure about what we have. And when we feel insecure, we're living in that poverty frame of mind. And, it, you know, just think about the insanity that we live in. All of us in here are rich. 
considered, you know, compared to the rest of the world. We, li- we live in one of the richest nations on the planet Earth, yet so many of us have this natural envy that we live with because enough is never enough. So many of us have this, this constant restlessness when it comes to our wealth because enough is never enough. Enough. I mean, we're, we may be one of the wealthiest nations on the planet, but I think we're the most insecure when it comes to wealth. It's, just, it's an obsession. I read a, a statistic recently that said if you have one, one hot, cold tap, a water tap in your house, just one, you live amongst the one-seventh of the world's richest population. You're in the richest one-seventh if you have one. Well, we all got more than one, right? We have several. The trouble comes when we develop this love of money that is stressful. It's a poverty mentality, and we're not supposed to live with that mentality, with that mindset. Proverbs 15, verses 16 through 17 says this, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. You know, so often in our frantic pursuit of wealth, we we find ourselves in a culture of hate, a culture of envy, a culture of trouble. Boy, there's so much more peace living with a, a fear of the Lord. And I think Proverbs invites us, hey, Take that frantic pursuit of wealth, set it aside, exchange it for peace, exchange it for for contentment. You know, the way Paul phrases it in 1 Timothy just before what I read earlier in 1 Timothy Timothy chapter 6, he said, "You you know what a gain is? Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what it means to gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain because there's peace with that type of gain. That is enough. This brings us to number three, earn honestly. When we can't shake the poverty mindset, when we can't shake this frantic pursuit of wealth, the, the longer we remain in that mindset, the, 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 more we're go- the more tempting it is to earn that money in a dishonest way. And so Proverbs 28.5 says, A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. I wonder how many relationships you can think of right now that have been severed because of greed. How many relationships do you know right now, like these, these people are no longer friends, or maybe you are no longer friends with someone in your life because of greed, because of a, of a dispute over wealth. Greedy people are the most unsatisfied people on the planet Earth because money is an addiction and there's not enough money on the earth to, to fulfill that addiction. And so if you stand in between someone who is greedy and the money that they want, that greedy person is going to stir up strife. They're going to get you out of the way. You don't want to live with greed because it just stirs up strife with people. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Again, the, the longer you remain in this poverty mindset, the, the more inclined you will be to earn that wage in a deceptive way. Now, you may say, now, okay, I've never sold, stole anything. 
I, I've, I've made an honest living. Yeah, I might have a little bit of an obsession on, on, on my heart, but, but I've earned it honestly, and, and I've not really severed a, a ton of relationships in my life. And yeah, it's been stressful, but you know, I think we do things, I think we obsess over money in, in more subtle ways and fool ourselves. I, I saw some statistics here recently of people that are just dishonest when it comes to money. Uh, 24% of people who took this survey said that they wouldn't correct a waiter if they undercharged them. They would just look at that receipt and say, oh, well, they didn't charge me for my food, so see ya. That's a dis dishonest game. 9% of people who took this survey said if they found a wallet, they would keep the money in it and then give the wallet back. Jerks. 23% of people said that they would be willing to commit a crime to get $10 million if they knew they wouldn't get caught. 23% of people would commit a crime. So Proverbs wants us to understand if you, if you live in that mindset, there's not happiness there. You're fooling yourself. There's not joy there. You're fooling yourself. It's misery. As a matter of fact, it, it's more than misery. When we, when we set out to achieve a dishonest gain, the Bible uses really strong words for us. It's an abomination. Proverbs 20, uh, 23 says, Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord. And false scales are not good. You think of the way that uh, someone who would have scales and the way that they would sell things and they would measure, put the gold over here and the, and the product over here. And if you had false scales that would tip the scales in your direction, that is an abomination to the Lord because that's being dishonest. It's not the way of God's people. Proverbs 1.26 says, The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who, sell, who sells it. So you think about a person who would have a bunch of grain and, and he would hold it back to create demand. He wouldn't sell that grain until, until people were desperate for it and willing to pay more money for that grain. And then he would price gouge them once that time came where he could maximize his profits. The Bible speaks of that posture as an abomination. Maybe you remember when the pandemic just got started what was that college kid who like bought up all the hand sanitizer? You remember that making national news? He bought up all the hand sanitizer from like all of Amazon, filled his entire garage so he could hold it back and then sell it. And then the whole world makes an example of him, right? They, Amazon kicks him off, a, off, a, off of their platform. Look at this guy. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to single out the college kid trying to make a buck? Let's, let's take a closer look, America, <laughs> Right? How, can, we, can we hit the, the gas prices and stuff? Can we talk about some of these categories where we price gouge people all of the time? This happens in so many ways. I, I thought, well, yeah, okay, that, that kid's going to learn a lesson, but I sure wish the rest of us could take this opportunity to address the way we price gouge people in our country in all sorts of different ways. It's an injustice. It's, a, it's an abomination to the Lord. We want to be generous. God's people should live with the exact opposite frame of mind, right? I mean, we, we don't want to disadvantage others for our gain. We're God's people. We're supposed to disadvantage ourselves for the gains of others. It's positively backwards in God's kingdom. That's what generosity is. We do this out of a deep conviction. And here's the fourth point. God takes care of us as his children, period. God takes care of his children. 
We are blessed. We are blessed. We have the favor of the Lord, just like a child has the favor of his father. We have favor from the Lord by virtue of being his children. He's going to take care of us. You know how to take care of your kids, right? You know how to do what's best for them. You want to care for them and and teach them. How much more does God take care of his children? You don't know anything compared to God. He's going to take care of us perfectly. There's one last proverb I want us to focus on. It's in Proverbs 30. This proverb is amazing. It's, It's a prayer. Now, when you're reading through the book of Proverbs, you don't come across very many prayers in the book of Proverbs. But this is a prayer that if if you find yourself stressed out in the the realm of of your pursuit of wealth or, or riches, this may be a prayer that you want to adopt because it corrects a poverty mentality. This This comes from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. It says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. And listen to this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I love that prayer. And the reason I love that prayer so much is because it comes with an abundance of self-awareness. It's a prayer that's asking for contentment, understanding our propensity to sin if we have too much, but also our propensity to sin if we have too little. So in that prayer, he's asking, God, don't give me riches or poverty, Lord. I know that if I have too much, I'll become self-reliant. I'll take credit I'll start to think I don't need you. I'll start to ignore your existence altogether and say, who is the Lord? But if I have too little, I I don't want that either, Lord, because if I have too little, I'll blame you. I'll be mad at you. I may resort to stealing and profane your name. So don't give me riches, but don't give me poverty. Lord, just give me contentment. And I'm your child, and you're going to give me what I want and what I need. Give me that, Lord. Give me that contentment. That's a self-awareness. It reminds me of part of the Lord's Prayer, the part of the Lord's Prayer that that asks, Lord, lead me not into temptation. That's the strange part of the Lord's Prayer, right? But it's such an important part. It's it's creating self-awareness when you pray that because what you're asking God there, like, lead me not into temptation, Lord. What you're saying is, Lord, I don't want to end up in this situation because I'm so sure that if I was in this situation, I would sin. And I don't want to end up over here because I'm just so sure I would mess up if I'm over here. Lord, lead me in a direction that I would not fall into temptation. Lead me into a a different direction, Lord, because I'm just so certain. I don't have confidence in myself, but I have confidence in you, Lord, to lead me in the right path that I would not end up where I would be uh, fallen to temptation. So, Lord, lead me away from that. Deliver me from that evil. That's what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer. So when we think about wealth, we need to work hard. We need to earn honestly. Earn little by little. Have that pursuit of wealth. Do what you reasonably can do to work and earn. And then trust the Lord that he will provide in every way he chooses to provide. Because he will take care of you. He's proven his care for you by giving us his son. 
right? He's given us his son. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus gave it all up, entered his creation, and became poor, lived amongst us, died for us. He gave everything, his life, and we have salvation in him. That's our Messiah. That's not a poverty mindset right there. That's a generous mindset. And so if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to say that we are people who follow the teachings of Christ, we follow his, his lifestyle, his mentality, we are to be generous. We are to disadvantage ourselves for the advantage of others. That's who we are. That's what we do because we are living from a posture of being blessed by God. We have his favor and his love in our life no matter what because of Christ alone. And that makes us generous. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the wisdom that you have for us in the book of Proverbs. Lord, when it comes to money, we are so prone to just utter stupidity. We are so prone to spend money on things that are worthless. We're so money, or we're, we're so prone to just to save to the point in which we, we don't even help out our fellow man. Lord, I pray that your, your teachings today would correct this mindset. I pray that we could take a prayer like this in Proverbs 30 home with us and into our lives every day, that we could have contentment in you, Lord. Lord, that we wouldn't wouldn't live with a, a constant stress or, or envy or pride, but, Lord, that we would live in humility and be able to help others around us. Lord, we want to do this because this is how you lived. You had no place to lay your head, yet, yet you were abundantly rich. You established your kingdom in that frame of mind. Lord, help us to live with that mindset, Lord, that we can be a blessing to others as you are to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.